Welcome to the Purple Rock Podcast. We're discussing the finale of Survivor San Juan del Sur, and I have never been more happy that a prediction of mine did not come true. Last week I predicted that Keith would win, and I even tweeted it out again the day of the show, and Natalie saved us from that. So, Andy, are you ready to give me the credit I deserve for my reverse jinx? No. <laughs> I... Come on, that was clearly a reverse jinx. I knew Natalie was going to win. I was Team Natalie since probably just around the merge. As little as reverse jinxes actually work in the real world, uh, for a recorded event, I think even less possible. <laughs> well, I will admit that uh, I was rooting for the Natalie outcome, but I was convinced this season was going to end terribly and we'd get a mm. horrible winner, so... Yeah, and I actually I stuck to the Natalie guns. I I, I saw what, where you were going, but and and as horribly as the season was edited, it was hard for me to believe any of those four people that weren't Natalie could win. But oddly, while I was watching, I wasn't completely cheering for her. And uh, even though I desperately like her the best and wanted her to win, uh, stupid gambling things had me cheer for Jacqueline <laughs> just a little bit. So. Well, uh, in my defense for my Keith prediction, I may have still been drunk from the Alec mouth-breathing drinking game last week, and if I had been playing that in the finale, I think I might have gone into a coma. Do you, do you think Alec just had, like, a month-long head cold or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, he just can't breathe through his nose? Like, maybe, maybe, he's, medical condition. maybe he's allergic to having a camera on him, and he just can't breathe through his nose when that happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, hey... We should always have him in a jury. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is there a way to just put somebody in a jury without having them in the game so that we can get the reaction shot? Do you realize that Alec retweeted? I do. <laughs> yeah. I made a comment that I wanted Alec to replace Eliza on the Lifetime jury member thing, and uh, he retweeted it. The kid has no self-awareness whatsoever. You mean you don't think he got the joke? I'm pretty sure it might have sailed above his head. What do you think his face looked like when he read the tweet? Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. All right, but enough about Alec. What we need to be doing is spending our time celebrating Natalie. Because um, way back on the, the worst episode of the season, the, the one where Julie quit and nothing really happened, you and I had a discussion of, like, what could happen to make this season good? And you basically just went and say, you're like, put other people on it. Yes. Uh I, I had not poor modest goals, and it was have Natalie win it, and that's what we got. Yeah, you constrained your predictions with reality, and, you know, you got the best possible outcome that could really be produced by this season. I just got a little more creative. But, yes, you're right. The Natalie win, and I, you know, I agreed at the time, obviously, but it wasn't quite where I went with it. It was the best possible finish to the season, and that's exactly what we got. I mean... She is, I think, in your mind as well as mine, the best player of the season. She deserved as much as you can to win this season. Yeah, I don't even think it's close. And what's interesting is, like, I was saying that, like, before she was a featured character. Like, yeah, she had done some things. We're going to talk about all of the different things she did and the way she's awesome. But, like, she hadn't come on even at that point. Uh, and from that point on, she started to and became an even better player than what she was at that point. So she's 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 the winner of San Juan del Sur. Is that enough to rescue this season? Uh it certainly bumps it up a few notches. I mean, 
I, I definitely had a range where this season could fall based on the winner. And the last two episodes, it really helped the season's cause. Yeah. And we'll get into where the season ranks and all of that. But yeah, I'm all in on Natalie's victory and like, she's kind of uh, a unique winner in some respects. And, and Jeff promised us that. So that wasn't, that wasn't wrong. Yeah. What was his exact wording though? It wasn't unique. I don't know. I never read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's was... surprising. Like somebody you wouldn't have expected. And yeah. you know, if you're coming off of the very first episode, I think, you know, uh, when her genetic double does is the first person voted out, I'd say this is a, a bit of a surprise. And also like we didn't, you and I don't watch The Amazing Race. So have you ever watched The Amazing Race? I think I've seen an episode or two because yeah. my best friend has frequently asked me to watch it. Yeah, I've watched, I watched, you know, a few seasons. Basically, I, I watched because Rob and Amber were on and I stuck around for a while, but not, you know, not for, not for 20s. And, you know, you had gotten early reports like, oh God, we're not going to like them. And I was like, I don't know. There's a lot of people, and especially Amazing Race fans that wouldn't be into, you know, like people that are good on Survivor. But yeah, so from that perspective, they're, they're known, they were kind of known as these shrinking harpies that were annoying on the Amazing Race. So from that perspective, yeah, she is a pretty surprising winner. If you think of like a reality contestant that people don't really like whose twin is the first person voted out. Well, and to be fair, the the friend of mine who gave me that assessment of them, I think even he would say that once they're split apart, they're no longer quite the same entity. So this is something we do. You know, we've had all of a day to uh, you know really reflect on this. So there's no recency bias or anything like that. But like, where does Natalie rank amongst the all-time winners, of which we now have 28? Well. This is going to be difficult because we've never actually ranked the winners yet. We have ranked the season. And I don't mean like, yeah, don't give me an exact number. She is 13 and a half or anything like that. But, uh, like, whereabouts? Like, is she one of the better winners of all time? Is she just a merely a satisfying winner? I tried to think of, like, a, a historical comp for her, you know, whose game was most similar to hers. And I came up with two that I were I guess the best fits, but I um, even I really sold on both of them. But yeah, I don't think there is an exact fit. So I, yeah, I exactly. What do you got? So I went with Vesepia because she also switched alliances whenever it suited her game, and she didn't end up getting burned by it. I mean, she ended up winning. And then I also thought of Todd because similarly, they had a slightly riskier strategy at times than I would have liked, but they were both underestimated by a lot of people and proved everybody wrong in the end. So that was the best I could come up with. What about you? I think she's a a more proactive Sandra. Uh, And maybe some of this is more based on the way that she was edited by the show, like the character uh, she represented. Because much like Sandra, her arc did not take over until like her, you know, sidekick and actually the person she was kind of, seemed like the side was the sidekick to was eliminated right so mm-hmm. once rupert's taken out then we get a little more uh sandra same here and then sandra you know she'll flow at the bottom she'll be useful uh she isn't going to you know let her emotions hurt her from working with people but she's still doing things emotionally right like sandra's dumping out fish and cursing people out burning russell's hat yeah, but she's doing that off on the side, right? But then once it's time to play, she's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. No, the difference is that with Natalie, it wasn't anybody but me. She was actively trying to get certain people. And then at the end, she made it happen in a way that Sandra couldn't. 
Which isn't to say necessarily Natalie's victory is better than Sandra's. It's just it's a different approach. But I feel like it's it's similar, just kind of maybe, I don't know, like Sandra 2.0 or just what Sandra could do if she was capable of winning challenges, that sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah, the challenges are never a part of Sandra's game. Uh, I I mean, the reason she didn't really jump out is just because, again, they kind of have different strategies, and Natalie was much more comfortable with being the one in control, and I think mm-hmm. Sandra would prefer to only take control when it's necessary to do so. Yeah, but like when you look at Natalie's arc, I'm not sure there has been another winner that took this path, because basically she was somebody that was clearly in a majority, and then that fell through because of you know swap purposes and that sort of thing. And then the bottom fell out, like her, you know, majority fell apart, and she had to climb her way back from the bottom all the way to the top. And I don't mean, you know, the top winning, but, like, she was in control for the final two episodes. I don't know if there's been anybody that was kind of, like, you know, in a good spot, then in a bad spot, and then in a great spot like that. Well, I can already say that I know people are going to start discounting her win just because she beat a bunch of people that, to put it generously, didn't quite understand the game very well. And, you know, that comes up whenever, I mean, obviously it came up with Kim as well and Boston Rob. Again, varying degrees of justification there. But as we've said with those people, Natalie was not involved in the casting process. She just beat the players that showed up to play against her. You can't put that, you can't mark that against her, basically. Right, and as the great John Rocker once said, it's okay. hard to play against uh, people that don't know what they're doing necessarily. Hey, you got any other John Rocker quotes? Yeah, like I, I think in her respect, especially this season, these players undid a lot of good players. So it's not necessarily easier to play against idiots. It can be difficult. And also, I, I'm never one that does that, like, oh, the quality of competition wasn't as strong. Because frankly, if you have a really high quality of competition, there's a good chance you as a winner aren't very good. Like, what are you doing that you're letting people just, you know, take over the game at so many parts? And maybe there's a few exceptions and, you know, look no farther than last season where Tony had to deal with a lot of a lot of different players, a lot of good players. But for the most part, great players render other players less useful. Now, I don't think that was necessarily the case here with Natalie. Uh, which is why, you know, I think why we're looking for comps of a little less dominant players. You know, you, you were thinking Vesepia. Uh, Todd might be a bit more dominant. Well, what's weird is that she was both sort of under the radar and aggressive at the same time, which is, yeah. it's hard to find someone else that's done that. Yeah, and, and bravo, by the way. Like, that's fantastic. That, if yes. you can pull off that trick, uh, that might be the best way to do it. Um, I think most people can't. No. It's kind of hard. To, I mean, they're they're almost in opposition with one another. But maybe that's the kind of player I have to think of. Somebody that was dominant, but maybe like Cochran? But Cochran was in control the entire time. Like, Cochran was never in trouble. So, although I guess technically, Natalie never really was either. Uh, I mean, depends on how much you believe what we see on the edit that we get. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can only really fully judge by the edit we get, right? right. Like, at, at the end of the day, we are talking about a television show and the story. But I guess where she was in real trouble was after the swap, where if they'd lost, you know, if they'd lost twice, she probably would have gone home. And then 
if John and Jacqueline hadn't gone with uh, and voted out Josh, then I think Natalie never would have had a chance to do any of this stuff. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from her. I think she is a really great winner. Uh, where she ranks, I yeah, again, we don't know. I've never thought, stopped the thought about think about that for sure. But just from a feel standpoint, easily upper half, maybe upper third. But I don't know about top ten. Uh, upper third gets My upper third dicey. would be top ten. Never mind. Yeah. Exactly. Nah. That's the exact reason that it gets dicey. So were you in the same boat as me as, you know, I, we talked about it in the podcast this season already, but once she made the final three, were you convinced she's going to win? Um, so what happened was my kid woke up at that point, like we were watching on DVR. So I had to pause it. So I had enough time to almost overthink it. And so there was a few moments where like, it wasn't like there was anything on the show that made me feel like she was in trouble. But I just started looking at who was on the jury, and I'm like, these idiots could muck it up, right? Like, a normal jury just is, you know, is like, she's got it made. Because, you know, we were saying it last week. Natalie can beat anybody. She just needs to get there. And we'll talk in a minute about what she did to get there. But then I was like, oh, but this is Alec, Wes, and Keith. You know, like, could could you see them just voting for Jacqueline because maybe Natalie wasn't nice enough to them or because, you know, Jacqueline's hot? Like, I, I was just kind of running through the jurors. And, you know, obviously, you know, John, Jeremy, and Baylor were obvious. So, you, yes. you know, take those out. I was pretty confident Josh and Reed would vote for Natalie. So and was I. I guess I was actually kind of wrong, but not really. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that one later. I actually thought Alec would vote for Jacqueline, just because, you know, he seemed to be closest with John and Jacqueline. The idea of voting for gameplay or whatever didn't seem like something that would occur to Alec. Nope. But it was like, I actually have no read whatsoever on what Wes or Keith could do. And it wasn't necessarily that I thought they would vote for Jacqueline. In fact, I thought there was a chance maybe even Missy. It was just like, I don't know. So that, that was where there was some doubt. It's just like, watch that be how this season lets us down. It's that this jury is just dumb. Yeah. So that was the terrifying thing is that three people who are basically total wild cards are jurors. And you're just thinking like, why do these people get a vote? Oh, right, because they have to. Yeah, they played the season, and each one of them made the right call, so I uh, shouldn't take it away from them. And, yeah, as far as Reed, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners already know this, but basically he voted for Jacqueline to keep um, Missy out of third, uh, sec- uh, tie for second place. That was all he was doing there. Which, bravo. Yeah. I love the spite vote at the final tribal. And, you know, I'm okay with it. Whatever. I mean, yeah. some people get up in arms about it, and I think those people are probably playing in fantasy leagues where you get points for that sort of thing. Because, <laughs> really, when it comes to, like, vote totals, there's basically only two that matter in the, the sum up of the of the, the way the person played. A unanimous vote is pretty encouraging for how good a player you are. Or a one-person vote is maybe a little discouraging. But after that, it doesn't matter whether it's six votes or seven votes or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I didn't, like it wasn't like the show made me feel like Natalie should lose. I was just like, oh, wait a second. These people actually have to vote, and I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, but, yeah, so she had to get there. What did you think about her voting out Natalie? Or, or sorry, Natalie voting out Baylor. Exactly. I loved it. That was her best move of the whole game. And to be fair, she had several good moves in this game, and that was still the best one. Yeah, I was, so when it happened, I was basically dumbfounded. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, like, you know, all this talk about her thinking about Jacqueline and Missy is just like, yeah, whatever show. 
Like, it's obvious. It's got to be Jacqueline. And, again, I paused it and actually grabbed something to eat because I was hungry, not because I needed some time to process. And within that, I, you know, figured it out. And, again, I thought it was brilliant as well. Yeah. And it was like everything we talked about last week, everything I was worried about, that she was basically put in a position that if the other person wins at Final Four, and this in this case that person would have been Keith, she's screwed because Missy and Baylor aren't going to vote for each other. She worked it out and took that out of the equation. Yeah. And that's basically the exact conclusion that we arrived at because we did the same thing. We're like, whoa, this is not what I expected. But, I mean, with me, it was near instant. It took me probably 10 seconds, and I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. That was the best possible move. And so then, you know, much like you, a few seconds later, we're talking it out, my wife and I, and I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, so here's why. Here's the various iterations that could happen if we get to the final four. And we're like, yeah, all of these make a lot more sense for Natalie than keeping Missy and Baylor both around. Oh, cop, it wasn't a few seconds for me. It was like, and my wife, yeah, she'd come on again, but not that there's an invitation. Uh, what's, you would say, like, I was working it out, out loud. Like, I was just like, <laughs> like, it broke, it broke the system from it. So it probably took me about five minutes to get there. <laughs> Cause yeah, it was just, it never even occurred to me. When it was just like, why are you doing that? Like, I, like all I could say is, oh, she's just showboating for the jury. But no, when you look at it, it's like this was perfect. Well, it, it's both. And and that's the other thing. That's such an added benefit. Yes. Like she locked it down there. Like if Josh Reed or you know West Alec even were on the fence, that that's just like a big bright beacon of look what I can do. I'm not just along for the ride. I wasn't just Jeremy's sidekick. I wasn't just here because, you know, John screwed up. I own everything. It was so it was such great showmanship for a great move. Whereas a lot of showmanship is just for show. Like there's not either there's no advantage or it's the wrong thing. This was the perfect move and it was right out in front of the people that need to see it. And we saw from Josh's final tribal question to Jacqueline, that was something he was concerned about. So she didn't have to make her case as to what her big move was. It was very public and very recent and easy for them to remember. And it publicly owned Jacqueline, too, right? Because it's like, did you vote like I told you to? Exactly. Like, I told you where to vote. I was running this. This is my plan. So there is no debate as to whose idea that was. Yeah, so you think that was uh, Natalie's best move, and, you know, it's not, you know, I think it's a very great, a very, very, very good move. I would say my vote for her best move depends, I guess, what the question is on what you mean by best move. It means, like, you know, gameplay, something happened move. Then I actually think it's taking out John, because without taking out John, she might not win. She might not be in a position to do what she just did, because he would have an idol still, too, and all that sort of thing. Like, Jacqueline might not have been in danger, uh, or you know, he might be enacting his plan to, I guess Jacqueline was supposed to be going out at Final Five. And she he, she might not have won. If John was in the final jury with her, I think she loses. Not because John's a better player, because now Natalie doesn't have an argument, but she has. Right. She doesn't have the, I took out John and took over the game on her resume, right? He's sitting right there. So I'd say that's, you know, in terms of big moves, uh, that was probably her best one. And, it, you know, it's pretty creative, too. She gets just a 2-2-2 two, two, two vote, vote split to eliminate the possibility of an idol and all that. But in terms of probably what was the best thing she did in order to succeed, 
it was right after Jeremy gets voted out, and she doesn't fly into a tirade. She doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, like she just basically reintegrates, and that gave her all the positioning she needed to, you know, take over. And that was my prediction of what she should do at the time, just yes. because it was the only way for her to continue in the game. Because if she had tried to rebel right there, she probably gets taken out fairly soon. Yeah, people are still kind of riding high about the emotion of taking out Jeremy, and then they'd have to deal with that too, and they're just like, you know what, let's just give her to her. Let's like, let's work with Reed. It was probably what would have happened. Right. And then also, uh, we didn't dwell long enough on Natalie's move. The taking out Baylor thing is even better, because since Missy couldn't compete in challenges, you're basically guaranteeing you now have a one-in-three shot at getting immunity. Mm-hmm. So... It just it ups her odds of making it to final tribal substantially. That's that's why it was so beautiful to me. Like it worked on so many different levels. I mean, it, well, and I think it's probably more of the signature move of the season. Like it'll be the one where we you know reference as like a strategy of a thing to do. Like voting out John is something that happens. You know, hey, this guy is a bit ahead of you in terms of the game. Take him out. It's, it's like it it was yeah, you know, but it wasn't unique necessarily. Right. Uh, that it happened in Final Six, two, two, two. Those things made it unique. But yeah, nobody's done this like to the point where it hadn't even occurred to me. I figured she just had to like ride it out. You know, she's got her goats and Missy and Baylor, so it's just kind of like hope that things go well at Final Four was where she was at. And I wasn't the only one. Uh, you know, Spencer had the same thing on Rob as a podcast. Like a lot of people were at the same math. It was like she needs to win, or at the very least, not have Keith win. And she figured out the hack to that. And at a point in the game where most people were just like, yeah, okay, we vote out this person and then hopefully vote out that person. Like, like Tony didn't even think about this. <laughs> I don't know. I, Tony might have thought of something. Well, I guess this. he took out Trish, so. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really great at a time where I think most of us expected nothing great to happen. Which I think kind of brings into another question or part of the discussion. I'm just going to jump a bit ahead. Like, some crazy things happened this episode. It's a, for a final episode, that's usually not the case. So what did you think of the episode as a whole? I mean, as far as finales go, like you said, a lot of times there's not a ton of drama left in a finale. I mean, you're basically... There might be some drama as to who exactly makes it to final tribal council. Or maybe there's one underdog that you're still like hoping can win some immunities, but there's a lot of yeah play to be done still. Right. I mean, like last season, you know, Spencer's that underdog, but it was pretty clear that he had a very difficult path if he was going to win the season. Usually not a ton of drama. I, at last year, the best, or sorry, last season, I guess, we can't call it last year, but last season, the best drama we got was Wu picking Tony, but even that seemed pretty obvious, just because why would we have gotten so much Tony if he was going out third? So, as far as finales go, this one was pretty high up there. Yeah, so I'd say the in-game stuff up until the final Tribal Council was really good. Obviously, the like the live interstitials were beyond useless, Ugh. and... um Final Tribal Council itself was a almost complete dud. So, I, but I still think it's a good episode. But I think, you know, I'm not over the moon. It wasn't like an A or anything. You know, it was a solid B plus. And again, to your point, probably better than most finales in that more interesting things happen. Usually the be- most interesting thing you can say about a finale is, you know, a few speeches or answers at Final Tribal Council. But. Yeah, but did you know that the survivors only eat one bowl of rice a day, though? Do you, do you need a visual aid so you can see what one bowl of rice looks like? Well, what I found interesting about that is apparently a bowl of rice is less 
than what we typically eat. Oh, did you realize that most people eat a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner? Even in some places, they do have bowls of rice, but at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you are blowing my mind. I wish I had a visual aid that could somehow tie this all together for me, make it much more apparent. Wouldn't it be cool if probes, like, snarked on the Make-A-Wish kit? It's like, yeah, really cool challenge, but, you know, it did break one of our players' ankles. So. <laughs> I, w I was actually thinking at the time, I, I think I paused it and said this to my wife, like, and as an added benefit, <laughs> you took out Missy's ankle. But, yeah, so there was the fireworks. Obviously, the biggest one was Natalie voting out Baylor. But then, you know, Jacqueline wins a challenge. Uh, how about that? Yeah, and uh, they gave us the edit that made us think she might have died. <laughs> Apparently, it was actually pretty bad. And what's more is that she didn't go for her numbers once. She went twice. Oof. Like, maybe it, like one of those falls not. The sequence out, like she knew the numbers, but she got the order wrong. But that's how far ahead she was at the end, that she could go back. It didn't matter. When that challenge was happening, I kept saying to my wife, it's like, you know, the way to do this is you just pace yourself. Take your time during all of this, you know, puzzle piece gathering. You know, don't dawdle. Don't fall behind. But if you're a little behind, and she wasn't that far behind, no matter what probes wanted to say. Mm -hmm. It's like, Jacqueline, so far. It's like she's untying her final bag while Keith is bringing his back. She's really not that far. But it's like, it's puzzles. The puzzle is all that matters at the end, you know. Tony right. would get to the puzzle before anybody all the time, and he never won. Uh, so, but the problem was, I was like, but I don't know if Jacqueline's good at puzzles, right? Right. We barely had any puzzles this season. I, like, I, of those three, I was like, who's better at puzzles? Like, I'm pretty confident it's not Keith, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Natalie's good at them. I don't know if Jacqueline's good at them. And that's where it was, yeah. Like always. Puzzles balance things out. It's like sometimes it's not even that bad to be a little behind on the puzzle because you get to kind of look at what people are doing already. Exactly. But, yeah, so she wins, and now she's got the big choice. And uh, did she make the wrong one? <laughs> well, hindsight being twenty twenty, obviously she did. But I do understand her argument that she had no way of knowing in the game that Natalie would have as much support as she did because from her perspective, at least if you believe what she said, Keith seemed really well-liked, like he was, you know, he had a bunch of people um, from his tribe that liked him. No one really actively hated the guy. So, in her mind, she should have at least still known that Josh, Reed, and Jeremy were probably going to reward the best game. Because it was pretty clear that they were bigger fans of the show than she was. So even if you don't recognize that Natalie's was the best game, you at least should recognize that it's not Keith. I think there's enough of an argument that she should have been smart enough to take out Keith there. Or not take out Keith, you mean. She did take out Keith there. I'm sorry, to not take, take out, Natalie. out Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um... Yeah, was it a mistake? It's hard to say because, you know, obviously Probst did that thing at the reunion where it's like, well, if it was Keith... Total waste of time. Yeah, now, that, yes... Let's talk about that briefly, as we probably do every time. Don't buy that. Don't believe that, necessarily. What people say when they're sitting there at a reunion show and they've watched the season, when they're no longer in the heat of the moment, is almost all but useless. To the point where in Philippines, they just messed with Probst. And Carter and Petter were like, no, we wouldn't have voted Malcolm. But I do think that there's a good chance that Keith would have beaten her anyway. Like, I, So, like, was it a mistake? My thinking is... She might have had a better shot against Keith. Like, she had no shot against Natalie. 
maybe she would have had a shot against Keith, but ultimately she might have just been choosing who she's losing to, so it doesn't matter that much. Where I would have liked, like, if hindsight 50 50, as you say, put Keith up there. Or 2020, if you prefer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the metric eye system. <laughs> okay, that's what it is. Well, yeah, put Keith up there and, like, let him try to argue his case in front of the jury. And maybe he loses himself a vote or two of people that were like, hey, cool, Keith, the underdog did it. Let's vote for one of uh, us guys. And maybe Jacqueline actually gets asked questions at, <laughs> at this tribal council where Natalie's not there. And maybe she can win herself a vote or two. And maybe that's enough. And, in fact, one thing I thought would be, in that scenario, maybe everybody goes in assuming that Keith is the vote. Obviously, John's still voting for uh, Jacqueline. Missy, uh, Baylor's still voting for Missy. So Reed still has it in his head that he needs to vote for Jacqueline as well to keep Missy from getting second place. Mm-hmm. But maybe not, like Natalie and Josh are won over or turned off, won over by Jacqueline slash turned off by Keith, and they vote for Jacqueline too. And all of a sudden Reed's throwaway vote to prevent, you know, second place becomes the deciding point. <laughs> I, I mean, that would be awesome because it would also tell you that, hey, stop messing around, vote for who you think. Exactly. But, but ultimately, I kind of feel like Keith would, probably would have won because it's, while it's terrible, that they would, you know, vote for a guy like Keith who had no gameplay. It's not like he's beating somebody good. He's beating Jacqueline and Missy, right? I, I could see that jury, you know, when forced with that decision to be like, well, we like Keith, and uh, it's pretty amazing that he got here. Let's just vote for him. Well, Jacqueline sort of had the odds stacked up against her, whether it was, you know, her fault or not. If you believe John who said that their plan was to have Jacqueline fall on the sword, he'd been trying for weeks to build this case of, you know, all these moves are his, you know, he's the one that's guiding this alliance, because in his mind, he's going to be the one at Final Tribal Council. So he's not let her take any credit along the way, and then suddenly he has to try to push the credit back to her, and I think that's pretty transparent. So she was doomed by her strategy from much earlier in the game. Yeah, and I think that John thing is legit. That that actually happened. Uh, there's been, like, from exit interviews today, Rob brought it up with basically all of them. And yeah, John was on board. Jacqueline was on board. Missy was on board. Natalie, you know, said, because it's like, sure, you're going to put me in the final three? Yeah, great. But if I have my way, uh, you won't be there. And right. then Baylor, I don't think, was, like, really excited about it. But, you know, it's like her mom was already for it. Uh, so it was what they were planning in terms of John and Jacqueline to the point where Missy, uh, Baylor was saying that Jacqueline was talk like openly talking about it. Like I only have two more days left. Hey, soon I get to go eat a cheeseburger or whatever. So like that was what was happening. So yeah, to your point, if you were one of the people sitting there hearing her talk about that, it's like, well, she doesn't really want it. Now that doesn't always prevent you from winning Jenna Maraska, but usually, <laughs> uh, that would make it difficult for people to give you credit. Is there anything at Final Tribal that did stand out for you? Like, what do you think was the best performance at Tribal Council? Because I have an answer for this one. Uh, Reed? (laughs) (laughs) If we're talking about the three people that were facing the Final Tribal Council, I think it actually was Jacqueline, um, only by the lowest of bars. Like, I think Natalie just basically sat on her hands like, I got this made, and she was right. I think Missy um, was terrible uh, in a way that we'll talk about. I'm kind of very interested in talking about Yeah, that about. deserves its own point. Yeah, uh, whereas Jacqueline, I think she made a few good points. I don't think she made them strong enough. I don't think she made them well enough. 
But there was a case to be argued for her that it wouldn't have helped at all because those people weren't going to vote for her. And, you know, good for them. They shouldn't have. Natalie was the right choice. Uh, but I did like when she mentioned that, like, these two wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. That's true. If she had decided to go with Josh's plan, uh, Natalie and Missy would not have made the final three. Like, they're... Their existence depended on choices made by John and Jacqueline. So that was kind of interesting, you know. I think she did stand up for herself a bit, taking credit for the Josh thing, even though nobody believed her. Yeah, again, as she was screwed by John, so, phrasing. <laughs> but uh her case was already undermined there. It just, John tried to give her the out, and it clearly didn't work, because then Josh asks her basically the exact same question that John had already asked her. Almost a slap in the face, like, listen, I don't believe the answer you gave for John. Give me something that you actually did, which is pretty damn insulting. Yeah. And, like, what could she have done better? She could have answered that a bit better, like, gone into it a bit more. Even, like, she should have sold John out. Like, no, John wanted to go with you. And I knew that if that would have happened, yeah, he could, he would have been, you know, if not next, you know, soon to be next, after Natalie. But, yeah, so she didn't. Ultimately, it was clear by the way the vote went, by the way that the rest of the questions went, by the way Josh framed his question, that it didn't fucking matter and they didn't care. Uh, sorry, I just made our editing a little more difficult. Um, but yeah, most of the jurors were useless. Like, it was, it was a bad tribal council. Like, they did well, not care. Well, I, I thought, what was funny to me is that Jeremy played the hype man, which has become a shockingly common thing at Final Tribal Council lately. Like, if I'm ever on Survivor, I'm going to identify my hype man, and I'm sending him or her to the jury immediately after the merge. But he was a terrible hype man, you know? It's like his heart wasn't in it because it was, like, unnecessary, probably. And, look, that was true with Spencer last season, but, you know, he took a hold of his own moment. It's like, eh, Tony's going to win anyway. I'll at least win some style points by talking. Whereas Jeremy was just kind of like, you did your thing, girl, or... Maybe that, that's what he said when he voted voted for her, but something out equally inane. She, some catchphrase. But anyway, I don't know. Like he wasn't interested, and like the main thing he did try to make sure to get in at that and at the reunion and like every Ponderosa. I'm a student of the game. Well, good for you, Jeremy. Like honestly, by the end of this, I, I'm over Jeremy. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have um, another question later, and his name's not yes. going to come up. <laughs> um. So. Like, he wasn't even that exciting a hype man, you know? Like, this wasn't, uh, you know, Spencer, you know, hyping up Tony or uh, David Murphy with Boston Rob. It was just kind of like, yeah, we all know it's Natalie. Just let it be Natalie. Uh, well, and speaking of Natalie, though, I, I think you kind of undersold her earlier because, yes, it seemed like she sat on her hands at Final Tribal, but I think partly that's because before they got to Final Tribal Council, she already started buttering up Keith. Do you remember when she's telling Keith, like, oh, you know, you're a big threat, everybody likes you, you're this likable fireman guy, knowing that he's about to go to the jury? I think she intentionally wanted to get that out there, so Keith thinks, like, oh, wow, what a nice lady this Natalie is, right before he has to go vote. Yeah, I mean, look, this isn't a judgment on her. She was taking a knee, running out the clock. She had already won. Uh, <laughs> she at was this in point, victory formation. Yeah, like she couldn't have helped herself anymore. She could only have hurt herself. So 
Like, you know, her opening speech was whatever. Uh, honestly, I'm so, I'm past tired of people are always like, outwit, outlast, outplay. Yeah. That's, that's a meaningless catchphrase. Like, what's the <laughs> difference between outplay and outlast? Nothing, yes. they're nothing. They're, they're the same thing. And the, I outdid this. It's like, oh, how eloquent, yeah? Um, actually, one thing I, I want to say about Natalie, and it's a little unfair, uh, because, like, I, I listened to one of her exit interviews today, and I think she's still very drunk. Maybe one of the reasons why she wasn't heavily featured in the first part of, uh, the edit was it was tough for the editors to get, like, a full, like, interview with her without her, like, cursing three times, because she, she... <laughs> so maybe that's why she wasn't as eloquent at Final Tribal Council, because she was like, I'm just going to start letting F-bombs go. Like, she's like Kobe Bryant up in there. Oh, nice. Good comp. Um, but yeah, I thought, like, the, the whole Final Tribal Council, well, who do you think gave the best performance? Of the three, I'll say Missy was the worst, and then, yeah. you know, it's toss-up, Natalie or Jacqueline. Yeah, like, none, none of them were good. But again, Natalie didn't have to do much, you know. I, I think she kind of realized, I kind of got this in the bag, just don't screw it up, and I'm fine. Yeah. Okay, so the the only thing, really, that came out of Tribal Council was Reed's big question. <laughs> uh, what did you think of that? I loved it, because it's, you know, the appropriately theatrical question for him to ask. And as, as my wife mentioned, wow, that's some great choreography he had going in his final question. He had like hand motions. He had some jazz hands going in there. It was, I think I made the comment this week that I really want them to release the uh, secret scene of him practicing that in front of his mirror at Ponderosa because it was clearly meant to be theatrical. And as a fan, I'm sure he wanted to be in that group of memorable jurors Missy taking offense to it, I thought was ridiculous. What did you think of that? Well, I can understand why I take offense. He is, like, insulting you. Um, <laughs> it would be nice if you had a little bit of, you know, self-reflection and, like, understood the content. But it was a little over the top. So at the point where I think all you can do is be defensive. Um, oh, you're saying my a, thought of it? a Broadway performer was over the top? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And look... This is somebody who rehearses some of the things he's going to say on a podcast for a day. So, look, I I get it. I see you, player. Um, but it felt just a little too over-rehearsed. Like, uh, I, I thought the content, like, the basic point he was driving at, I'm so glad he made it. Like, I, and I'm glad he didn't apologize for it later. Oh, me too. Um, I think the evil stepmother, all that, illusions and all that, that was a bit much. But if your basic point was, you know, you were kind of crappy to us and everybody that wasn't useful to you... Um, yeah, say that. I think that's something the audience needs to hear because we were seeing it around the edges, but it, the show never really made it clear. A lot of times you had to either infer or, you know, you'd piece it out from, like, secret scenes and stuff on the website. But, like, even when we were watching, it's like, I get the feeling no, like people don't like her. I don't like her. <laughs> you couldn't quite figure out what it was and read, you know, put a finger to it. And everybody was kind of like, yeah, 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 go read. You know, like clearly this is not something he was just going off on the reservation about. Like it was probably based on conversations they've been having for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, Missy is, you know, babying people, obviously primarily Baylor, but John was the person he was referring to as like, you know, you gave away all my food, girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> overfeeding people and, you know, taking over that role. So, um, I don't care if it was a little mean, because, you know, you and I are not the nicest of people, I guess. But it's like some people, anytime anybody gets a little mean on Survivor, there's going to be people that comment, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Over the line. It's just reel back. 
And maybe, you know, that speaks well of those people as humans. But for me, it's like, no, it's competition. It's a show. And sometimes people suck, and it's good that sucking people get what's coming to them. I enjoy a good trash talking every now and then. Uh, this was the case of that. Um, so let's talk about Missy uh, in our uh, agreement that that was terrible. Because, yeah, so she opens her speech, and she's like, I played with honesty, and I played with integrity, and they should have had a split screen of, like, Jeremy and John, like, when she's saying those things. I roll. Yeah. So people do this all the time. Ah, and it's it's the worst. And it's appropriate, because Missy was the capital T-W, the worst. <laughs> um, but, like, it's just a dumb idea. Do not go into Final Tribal Council trying to represent how you play with honesty and integrity, because in Survivor, everybody gets dirty a little bit. And if you want to represent yourself as that, it just opens up the door for people to slam it right back in your face. Right. You're setting yourself up to be a hypocrite when they start citing examples. Yeah, because it's like, well, then why was voting me out perfectly okay within your worldview? For other people, you can say, yeah, it was perfectly okay because I wasn't worried about honesty, integrity, and all that. I was worried about playing a game. And you can't sign them on that because uh, they aren't working. But as soon as you say, that's what's important to me, I was like, oh, well, you lied to me about this, you lied to me about that. So that's a terrible way to to try to say it. But more than that, like even if somehow you made it to the final without ever lying to anybody, and I don't just mean your selective memory not thinking about it, but maybe you're Terry Dietz in Panama and you actually <laughs> did win everything out so that you never had to do anything but win, which is never going to happen in Survivor. It didn't even happen for Terry Dietz. Right. It's still a stupid idea to say that you played with honesty and integrity, even if it were somehow true. Because all that does is, you know, put you at a, you know, like you're putting yourself on a pedestal compared to the people that are judging you. Exactly. You guys were a bunch of snakes and rats. I played with honesty and integrity. That's what makes me unique. Yeah, and don't you think that all the snakes and rats would be so honored to vote for you, the uh, holier-than-thou type? Yeah, uh, it's... Well, and we talked about this, too, before we even got to this point, but are you at all surprised? Because we've said that this cast, if you want a cast that's similar to Borneo, this is as good as you're going to get, because most of these people have never seen this game and have no grasp of how it should be played. So the fact that we're getting that honesty and integrity thing, much like a season one type pitch, not surprising. Yeah, I would say it's almost a throwback, except that we still get it every once in a while from people that should know better, right? Like, yeah, as bad as, like, I think for Missy, it might be on point that she thinks that somehow that's something that would impress people in Survivor because she's so unaware of Survivor. But, you know, I mean, Woo tried it last year. Uh, it's, it's, it's a recurring problem, and if any of our listeners are ever on the show, uh, I don't think they'd be the kind of people that would argue for that, because if you're into that sort of thing, I don't know why you listen to our show. <laughs> I mean, which is to say, you and I have no honesty or integrity, but we clearly don't respect it as a principle and survivor. Um, just don't. Don't do it. Uh, don't try to present that you are a better person than those judging you. Well, yeah. even with, you know, Tony and Wu last year, didn't Tony tell us that he had told Wu, basically, go in there, tell him how honorable you were, you know, talk about your how you're such an honorable, royal guy and all this stuff, and then Wu oh, did exactly t- that. T- and t- yeah, no, I don't think uh, Tony was trying to uh, you know, sabotage him with that. I think it was more Tony trying to put in the idea that you can't vote me out if that's your strategy, uh, which was brilliant. 
Um, but like it was like, a, hey, if he talks about honor and integrity, that's really going to piss people off. It was more like, if I can get there, I'm going to win. Um, so what was really interesting about this season and with Natalie winning, and we touched on it earlier, is, yeah, her genetic double, a person that, you know, <laughs> up until this point was always her, it was like they were a duo, was the first person voted out. And she wins. Like, what does this say about Survivor as a game? Because it feels like like a psychological experiment. Yes. Psychologists would kill for this scenario, right? I mean, yeah. and Natalie ends up on this well-fed tribe that doesn't lose challenges, and then Nadia gets stuck with this bunch of losers that don't like her, and it almost ends up being like a trading places type experiment. Like, oh, let's see what happens if we put one of them in a good situation and one of them in a bad yeah, and I think, like, what it says is just, like, the how random Survivor is. And as we as fans like to assign qualities to people depending on their success, and this person's good because of this happened, this person sucks because that person. And I, I should say we more, I'm like a lot of our listeners. I think you and I are a little more fair on that, in that the high role that luck plays. Um, yeah, I like how you're already setting us up as the most fair so that we can be judged hypocritical later Yeah, we're on. on we're also very honest and integrity. Uh, <laughs> I love integrity. No, maybe not our listeners, by the way. Our listeners are amazing. But yeah, like everyone's like, oh, Malcolm's an idiot because he played the two idols wrong. It's like, uh, or that person sucks because it's because it took Boston Rob four times to win. It's like, it could take anybody that long because Survivor <laughs> is that freaking random that two of the exact same people could go worst and first. Um, now, I think one lesson that people might get wrong is that this proves that anybody could win Survivor. Uh, that's not true. There are, oh. are some people that doesn't matter. They would never, ever, ever win. But no. I think what it means is anyone could go first. Like, anyone could get taken out at any time. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I don't think if you put Natalie on the other tribe, necess- or Nadia on the other tribe, she's necessarily winning. But I think if you put Natalie on Coyopa, there's a good chance she might have been the first person to let it out. Yep. Because she would have been dealing with Alec West, John Rocker. She would have been dealing with Dale, who was basically like, let's get out those 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. but, and she would have, you know, unless she's that much better at challenges, she would have been at the first final tribal council. Yeah. So then that's, we think, easily she's the best player this season. And it's not just because, you know, she happened to hang around long enough to make big moves. She was doing it early, you know. She was the one that when, you know, the guys were talking around saying which girls should we vote out and, you know, uh, Drew was doing it in front of the girls. <laughs> Natalie was the one that took everybody's side. It's like, let's just get rid of him. We don't even need the guys to do this. Uh, Natalie was the one that was volunteering to go to exile with Baylor, which was a key, key move. Like, that's when she built that bond with Missy and uh, Baylor. So she was a great player throughout, and I think it's not hard to imagine a scenario where flip things around and she is the first person voted out. Yeah, and Nadia takes her place and does the exact same thing and marches to the end. Well, possibly, yeah. So it's just, I think it just totally underscores the role that luck and circumstance plays in Survivor. You know, as as much as people like to talk about, you know, Redemption Island being set up for Boston Rob. You know, flip those two on different tribes, and maybe it isn't. Although maybe that's an argument that you now they 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 tailored his tribe for him, but not Russell. <laughs> but it's hard to imagine that they wanted Russell out third. So it's just that's it's a high variance game. Yeah, when we get into the discussion of what next season's going to be, I think that uh that point's going to come back into play. Well, look, ex- uh, a player like Spencer, uh, we thought he would be awful. Like you know, this guy is going to be so hateful. But he's put on a misfit, terrible tribe, and suddenly he's a lovable underdog. It's like one of people's favorites ever. 
And the truth was probably right in the middle. That, you know, he's an intelligent kid with a great love of Survivor who didn't get to play the game that he wanted to play, so instead he played the best that circumstance allowed for him. Mm -hmm. And that's just, yeah, this was, it's just so stunning. You know, they're like the same person to the point where, like, I didn't pick Natalie in Fantasy Survivor because it's like, I don't know. Like, I think (laughs) one of them's going to do well, but who knows which one. Yeah, whichever one doesn't get voted out first will do well. And I thought it was a good chance that one of them would. Yeah. Um. So, big question. We spent the summer ranking seasons 1 through 28, and now we have a 29th. Where does this go? So, I think you're going to think I'm nuts here, but I went back and I looked at our rankings, and I would probably put it in either the 19 or the 20 spot. We had Marquesas at 20 and Fiji at 19. I think it's right in that group. Yeah, and I think you're you're being a little overzealous. <laughs> We've, we started to talk about this a bit. And I think some people say, like, oh, well, since Natalie won, it's elevated. And I'd say it's elevated over what would have happened if Keith would have won, right? Uh, for sure. But, you know, like, is Natalie a much better a player than Sophie? Um, no, but I mean, that's... it's different, right? It's hard to compare. But, you know, Sophie winning South Pacific didn't help South Pacific at all. Like, that was still our third worst season. But you're um, rating the season. But I mean, yeah, I do think the season got better. I think there was some good things happening. First off, what the advantage it has at the bottom, from, from the bottom, from Nicaragua, Gabon, South Pacific, Thailand, is um, these people don't suck. Like, they're not hateful people. Right. Even Missy, who was the worst, I don't hate her. She was just, like, annoying. Right. Whereas those other seasons had a lot of awful, awful people. Yes. So I hated their gameplay this season, but I didn't necessarily hate the players, as the saying goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't hate the players, we hated the game. I hated the game, exactly. So I think we can get it out of that group for sure. And then some people are like, oh, I think it was really exciting that it, there wasn't like a winner's edit and they, they toyed around with that. It's like, it's like I don't, I, again, I didn't need to be, you know, hand fed, fed Natalie as the winner. But it's hard to, like, as much as it's like, oh, it's awesome that a player like Natalie won. She didn't really take over until, like, the penultimate episode, right? Like, up until then, we were dealing with a season that was basically defined by, you know, John and Jacqueline. Right. If we were doing our season overview, and it's like, who was the defining player, we'd be like, John and Jacqueline, or John. And that, I think, is true of this season, where there was a lot of shocking things that happened post-merge, but they didn't feel like, you know, well-thought-out, you know, events. It was just kind of like, oh, that's a thing that happened. So I do think that keeps it at the bottom. And where it gets difficult for for me is I don't... Well, obviously, like, I don't hate Redemption Island like you do. I had that at, like, 20, uh, where it shook out at about 23rd. Um, like, I'm okay putting this ahead of Vanuatu as well, because, yeah, f*** Vanuatu. Uh, <laughs> well, I might have to rewatch it just for the way that people have vigorously defended it, but I probably won't. Um... So for me, I think it's in the 20 to 23 range, somewhere in there. I think it's okay, still well, in the 20s. Yeah, you're not far off from me then. But yeah. So here's my argument. Mm-hmm. We had an early, incredibly entertaining episode with Drew's boot. Mm-hmm. So again, these people aren't hateable like they were in Fiji. So Definitely. we have an entertaining episode early. We've got, you know, a Josh versus Jeremy battle shaping up. That's an interesting narrative. Falls apart at the merge. But that's fine. From those ashes, Uprise, John and Jacqueline, they're going to run this game. And then Underdog comes in again. Natalie swoops in, knocks them out, steers her way to the final. Like, basically, stabs the king in the back, takes the throne right at the end. 
Yeah, it's which an interesting narrative. Yeah, it's great for her. It just, I was there, man. We had to sit through like 12 episodes of indifference to get there. And that doesn't get washed away. Like that, that, that experience of watching that, of being like, yeah, whatever. I guess it's John and Jacqueline. Like having to sell ourselves on John as a player. Like that, that was not fun for me. And so where I think a lot of people are like, well, it's better than Redemption Island. It's better than One World. For me, it's like, I'm not sure. And that's me. This is the way I, I almost would rather see dominance by great players than randomness by middling players. So that's, and I, I, I legit don't know where I, sh- where I stand on that. Uh, so that's why my, I'm putting it 2023. It's, it's still not like, I don't think it was a great experience getting to a very satisfying end because I still had to, we had still had to sit there and we're like, Oh, I guess Jeremy's a good player, even though like he, he felt off the whole time. Cause you're like, yeah, Josh isn't so bad, but he's not as good as everybody's saying. Uh, so it felt like a well packaged, series of a few episodes but a lot of it just felt so meh and I think it was hard for it to completely redeem itself for me because I was so uninvested by near the end and it picked up right at the end but maybe that's just a little too late to vault it into the top 20 and here's what's interesting for me where you're trying to decide between Fiji you're the one who ranked Fiji at like 16 I know but because of our rankings. Maybe you're already regarding that. Yeah. Yeah, 20. So, I mean, Fiji's an interesting comp just because, again, it's a bad cast, but in an entirely they, different the way. The lows were so much lower in Fiji. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. The variance was much higher in, in Fiji, I think. The lows were lower, the highs were higher. And I, this actually came up today. I think Natalie's a more dynamic and entertaining winner than Earl. I don't know that she's a better player than Earl or a better winner than Earl, but I like Natalie more than I liked Earl. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I personally just like Earl. I think Earl is more the way I would play Survivor, the way I would win. I think Earl is basically a less quippy Cochran. I like that he was in control of what he was doing and his tribe from the very beginning. Whereas, yeah, I think Natalie... Again, Good for her. She hung around the back. Like, hanging around the back, especially in a season where the, the heads kept getting chopped off. Very good strategy. Very workable for her. But, yeah, for me it was more like, you know, if this if we had had more of Natalie throughout, maybe I would have felt better. But, like, you know, we were podcasting about it. It's on record. We were not thinking highly of the season for most of it. Yeah. And, you know, it was, this isn't a thing where we binge watch it, right? Like, for two months now. We were like, whatever, San Juan del Sur. Yeah, I I think the argument we made is that there was a ceiling on this season because of the bad casting. Yeah. And also I'd say, you know, in comparison to this, to like Africa or something like this, it's like, this is 29 seasons in. Like, we shouldn't be having to worry about people that are this dumb about the game. <laughs> and that's on the show, right? It's like, I'm fine with you recruiting. I do not care whether somebody's an applicant or a recruit. I care if they're good. It's like, you shouldn't cast this many people that have no idea what they're doing. And uh, hopefully they learn that lesson, because by all indications, they are not very impressed by San Juan del Sur. They were not very interested in talking about the season during the reunion. <laughs> like, well, it was finishing off. They're just like, hey, uh, just stick around. We're going to keep talking about a season that will be very much better than this. I think they might have set a record for the fewest players talked to at a reunion. 
Which yeah, I'm actually okay with because I really don't care a lot about this cast. No, I mean, even the ones like I kind of like, like Kelly or Dale, it's like I, I don't have anything I need to hear from them for like a minute at the reunion. And I'm nope. not one of those, you know, egalitarian, like they should talk to anybody, which is weird because I'm from communist Canada. This is <laughs> like, I don't care. If you didn't matter, you didn't matter. I thought it, they should have talked to Nadia, uh, and not because I think they should talk to Fresh Boots, but just because of the interesting dynamic that we pulled out. Uh, they probably should have asked one less question to John Rocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better than that, whatever. You know, it's like, I'd, yeah. You know, like, you know what else we definitely did not need at that reunion was to see examples of the three types of colors that Probst has identified for next season. Like, oh, what do you mean by white color? Is this for the six-year-olds in the audience? Here's a question I have uh, from the live show and the reunion. Should we be watching Survivor with our children? Like, apparently a lot of kids are into this, and I, you know, we always wait till they go to bed. Are we missing an opportunity to get more television time for ourselves? <laughs> okay, well... I actually have an answer for this because my daughter hasn't occasionally woken up during, or not fallen asleep, I should say, during Survivor, and she'll walk in, and I'll let her watch an immunity challenge, and then I'm like, all right, yeah, go to bed. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not really keeping it from him. It's like, I don't want to watch this with you. I don't have to explain it to you. This is serious business. I got to talk to strangers about it. That's uh, right. I have tweets to make. Yeah. Um, all right, so before we close the book on uh, this season, uh, question we always ask is who would you like to see back and uh, i want to make sure i'm phrasing it not like other you know shows and other discussions i've had with like who would you like back for an all-star season because if we're talking all-stars i think there might be only one but the bar for taking people back for just seasons is much lower than the term all-star <laughs> like you know if they're doing a blood versus water or a caramel and those weren't stars they're just these are characters we think might work again and or are romantically involved with characters we would like to have. Um, <laughs> so pick three. Uh, which three people would you like to see again? I can only pick Natalie, 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 because I there is no one I want to see back You're from this cheating, season. Man, <laughs> I don't complete even, the I, thought exercise. I barely even want to see Natalie say John back. Rocker, just oh god. <laughs> I you know what. So the only reason that I'd even really want to see Natalie back is if they have some sort of all-winter season, I can just see Natalie teaming up with Sandra and just me loving it the whole time. Like, I feel like they'd be awesome allies. Oh, complete snark fest, too. Right? They'd just be bitching about people left and right. It would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, Natalie's the easy choice. And part of it, yeah, like I still want an all-winter season. So I, any season, I'm going to be like, winner, you know? At the mm-hmm. end of Nicaragua, I would have been like, Fabio, sure. <laughs> I'd like to see him play against real players and get voted out very early. And actually, Nicaragua, that might be the only answer. Uh, I've since come around to the idea of they could bring Marty back. Not because I thought he was good then, but yeah, he seems like he realizes that he was flawed heavily. I mocked Nicaragua to him and on actually, Twitter. He, uh, he responded to your tweet where he, he said did. Nicaragua sucked and he was like, I agree. Or he said agreed. <laughs> I, I favored that one. That was good. Yeah. So I think he's got a good he he has a good understanding of you know his mistakes and the game. Um, so Natalie, yes. See, for a while I would have been like, I'm okay to see Jeremy against non morons, but dude is just all about himself, and it's just a little too. It's off putting. Yeah, it's just like calm down, man. It's it's over. <laughs> like it was through every Ponderosa video, it was clear he was still trying, like still playing a bit, which. Look, it's tough. I know it's a bit of a psychological thing, but it's just like there's there's no humor in him other than like you know finding humor in how people suck. 
Um, so instead, I'll go with Josh. Again, oh. he was also flawed. And Baylor actually pointed this out in her actual interviews. Like, his, that early play, it was like, it was just too much. It put her on alert that, like, this is a guy I'm going to need to get out, not a guy we need to work with. And we pointed that out. It's just like, you know, don't get cute. Just vote somebody out. You know, here's why I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this one down before you even finish your argument. He did the, I deserve to be in that final tribal council right at the start of his jury question. And then, again, the question he asked to Jacqueline was pretty damn insulting. Look, I'm not hugely in favor of him, like, those moves. Sure. But I think he could be good. I thought he had a good social game. I actually liked him in Ponderosa, the way he bonded with people and discussed strategy. I'd like to see what a Josh in in a different season would be like. You know, when he gets to play. Because Jeremy, you know, as much as he likes to say he played with idiots, it's like, you are a tribe with Natalie and Kelly. Like, Josh had Alec and Wes and Mm -hmm. John Rocker. And Jeremy had read, like, you had the actual players on your side, and you were still not doing much and complaining. You know, Josh had nothing. He had Baylor. I mean, he had Dale, right? So, like, I'd like to see what he could do with both the experience under his belt of, like, you know, maybe calm down a bit, and also not having to work with morons, which I think accelerates a bit of having to do too much. Like, if he had had a partner that could have been like, hey, let's calm down and just vote the way we're supposed to vote. Uh, I think he would have settled in nicely. And also, I mean, stick to the plan. Yeah, he was kind of screwed by Julie quitting. Now, not completely, because you know, if he was actually really good at it, you know, his his alliance would have held on for a a greater period than three days. But if she doesn't quit, it's not completely inconceivable to see a path where Josh actually did win. Well, keep scraping the bottom of the barrel. I want to see who else you can dig back from this cast. I'd like to see Kelly back if you're doing some randomness, like. And, and this isn't even a discussion of who they would bring back, but, you know, that discussion basically ended when they brought, like, Kat Ederson and Monica Culpepper and, like, Brandon Hans back. They, so the answer, like, who would they bring back? Anyone. Who, who, anyone, it doesn't matter. They brought back Francesca. Um, so anybody could come back. But I think, again, in a different scenario, she might have been a good character. And if you're looking at, like, you know, the character type of, like, young pretty girl, uh, I think you could do a lot worse than Kelly. So there you go. That's three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm still gonna go with zero, other than maybe Natalie in certain circumstances. Again, it, it would like a, a lot of these. Other than Natalie, would be like the casting for a theme. If they're like narrow casting, that it's like we just want players from Caramo or Blood versus Water to now that have never returned before. I mean, like look at some of the people they brought back and. Then, like, they, they've brought back three people from one world. Like, what the? Yeah, and they weren't Kim. Yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> leave the good player. Um, all right, so we got another season coming up. Oh, thank God. Um, so what do you think of the theme for this next season? Yeah, sure, whatever. It's just like, uh, Blood versus, or Brains versus Brawn versus Beauty. They yeah, cast a season, and then they, like, came up with the idea afterwards. So it's a way of splitting people up, and I think, I think that's worked in the past. Uh, interestingly, they did not highlight the time that they did it by race. Um, <laughs> I wonder what, they must have just slipped their mind. What a PR disaster, which is so unfortunate because, you know. It's a great season. Did we have it at number two or three? I think three I think it was maybe. three. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, and Kageon, they did it. And that's, you know, in our top five as well. Like, yeah, I think it actually helps when you do have some themes. It helps the season stand out historically. 
and it helps the early part of the season, you know, go together. Eventually, they're going to swap or merge or whatever, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, a question is, is this market... Eventually, by the way, I think it's going to be, you know, two, three episodes in. It's not going to be long. Oh, no, it never, and it never is. And nor, it, it can't be. It's an unsustainable amount of people at that point. Unless somehow right. it stays even out, like one loses, one loses, one loses. That's impossible. If you're the team that lost twice, it's hard to gain that momentum back. Um, is this markedly different than Brains versus Brawn versus Beauty? <laughs> I think our friend Will was the first one to point that out. Like, isn't this just repackaging the exact same idea? Which I'm totally fine with. Did you see how Kagayan turned out? It was a great season. Yeah, it's almost like they're they're stuck in like a a repeating pattern here. It'd be like something that they'd put at the end of one of my kids' you know, shows. It's like pick out the pattern: blood <laughs> versus water, three tribes of. You know, Strength types, blood versus water, this again. Yep. Well, you know what? I think there's still some life left in this concept. And from, I don't think we want to get into spoilery stuff. I mean, I, again, we've talked before about this. We don't go into actual spoilers. I don't like spoilers. I don't want to read them. But from the non-spoilery spoiler stuff that I've seen, people are raving. There's a lot of hype about next season, saying it's going to be great, the best season since Heroes vs. Villains, which... I would say that title currently be, belongs to Kagayan. So if this next season can be on that level, it's got to be pretty damn good. Yeah, and it's like, oh, they always hype up things. But it's like, not always. Not it's always. A measure. And it was actually really funny in the, the reunion. It was like when Jeff was uh, sending everybody off. Thanks for a fun season. He didn't say good season. He doesn't yep. say great season. He was just like, fun. Mm-hmm. As in that girl, she's funny. Um <laughs> She has a great personality. Yeah. Uh, one thing for this is that it we don't have to play that game of, are they attractive enough for this tribe? Or is he too attractive for this tribe? So at least now they get to spread out maybe the potential eye candy, you know. Yes. You can be attractive and be white collar. You can be ugly and be no collar, which is apparently a thing. I My proposal for this is that it should just be called shirtless. Because I bet that's just going to end up being the model slash actor tribe. The Mactor tribe, if you will. Uh, they'll probably be some, like, tattooed alternative person yes, that may or two. may not be attractive, you know. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I would be. I mean, I'm unemployed, so, yeah, I guess, no, no collar, but <laughs> in my profession, I guess that's You're white collar. shirtless tribe. I guess it's a white collar-esque career, even though I've never worn, well, I guess maybe sometimes I wear a collar. That's true. But I also dress pretty sloppily because I, you know, write. Um, are we going to have to do a fan cast for this season? Uh, see, so yeah, that, that goes into knowing people's professions and I don't know enough about, you know, I know the people on the show. I don't generally research them and what they do outside of the show. Yeah, except like for the people that it, it becomes a part of their character. Right? right, exactly. If it's very obvious, then I know it. Yeah. Uh, I know Rob is planning on doing it, and fan casting is just plain fun. So we'll consider it, but I did have that catch too. It's like, how well do I want to figure out what these people do? But maybe <laughs> there, that just makes it easier, right? You just, the people that you immediately think of. And then it becomes a problem too, is like, do we really think that James is still a grave digger? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But then it's like, whatever, I don't care. He's Gravedigger James, and he's Ice Cream Scooper Eric, and I don't care if they moved on with their lives. 
<laughs> right. And she's still Foxy Boxer Parvati. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're not casting any of those three people. But I, 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 the wheels have started turning. Yeah, we're going to end up doing it. I think so. Uh, <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. If we do do it, we're going to try and get it done before Rob does so that when he picks all the people I was thinking of, I don't look like I was copying them. Right. Hey, do we want to, I mean, I know we, again, not talking about spoilers, but do we want to name drop the one person that we're kind of aware is going to be in next season? I suppose if you're somebody who knows who he is, you know this about it already. So it's not really a spoiler. Okay. Well, and cause <laughs> I, I mentioned this only because I've already been doing some work here because I'm convinced that I want this person to be a guest at the end of next season, the way that we did with Tony last season. Uh, I've already started laying that groundwork. I don't know if he listens to our podcast yet, but I have a feeling he will once his season starts. So there is a certain person that we follow on Twitter. I, again, I don't know if you want to spoil this or not, but he's going to be in next season. I've seen it in several yeah, places. Yeah, the rumors are true. Yeah. Although I will say he's been tweeting a lot, but I'm guessing the season was already shot a while ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. And there was a very <laughs> distinct break where he was gone for a period of about 45 days. There you go. So yeah, a big Survivor super fan that's in the co- commentariat uh, is rumored to be on the show, and you're already picking him and hoping you get the first pick overall in your fantasy drafts, right? Oh no, I'm convinced that much like Cochran's first season, this, he's going to be too grating on some people. His snork might not go over that well with everybody else as, as it does with me. Um Sort of like the Tyson and Token Sheens thing where I thought he was funny, but that doesn't mean everyone else there thought he was funny. I'm pulling for the YouTuber. Why not? Oh, God. That's right. We do know another person that's going to be on, supposedly. Yeah. And hey, that's like a, a, such a 21st century no-collar job. <laughs> God, why are we using no-collar? Plus, I like the idea of calling her shirtless. It'd just be funny. All right. So, uh, this season, let's put it to bed. Um... If you have any comments or questions about what we said, we're not going to really respond to them on air for a while. But, you know, we, we reply. Uh, yeah, we'll can, uh, tweet at you. We'll email you. Those sorts of things. Yeah, so per, at Purple Rock Pod on Twitter. You can email us, purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on our blog at purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com where we should probably post our rankings. Didn't we? No, you didn't. We yeah. posted the episode, and then you were like, I'm going to do something more. I'm going to add commentary, and then it's like, that sounds like work for John. Yep, and that's why it didn't get done. Hey, you're unemployed. Don't, couldn't you use some work? I might be doing it. Uh, so, let's, uh, just uh, we had some people on the season. Just wanted to give one more extra thank you. Um, who were those people? I believe the fill-ins for me when I was gone this season were Emma and Billy. Then we also, of course, last week had our only guests of the season, Heather and Dave. So if you're into guests on this show, sorry we didn't get to more of them this season. But sorry we you were... had to listen to us talk. Yeah, more. frankly, we were pretty burned out from having so many guests this summer. We joked about it, but we really were. It's it's a lot of effort to schedule and to coordinate and to record with guests and Frankly, we're lazy. We just don't want to expend that kind of effort every week. And it's also, like, it's tough for John to get his points in. Because, you know, you're gracious and you let guests in. Like, I'm a high-volume shooter. I'm just going to get my shots off no matter what. You are the Kobe of the podcast. Yeah. I'm a shooting guard. It says shooting in the name. Um, <laughs> so, but, yeah, I did find that you were getting shortchanged a bit. Well, we had guests. 
But no, thank you for the people that appeared on the podcast. And most importantly, thank you for the people who listen. When we stop and think about it, it is kind of bewildering that we have an audience and we really value the one we do because it's fun for us to talk. It's fun for us to think through Survivor, but it wouldn't be very fun if nobody was listening. Exactly. And uh, we appreciate all the uh, comments and emails and those sorts of things that we get from you guys. It's fun interacting with you. We like to discuss Survivor, obviously, and we like to discuss it with you guys especially. And it gives us a lot of material to to steal and repurpose as our own. So thank you <laughs> for feeding the mill. Right. And uh, I just want to say in advance that if I happen to miss any podcast next season, you can assume that it's because I can now go to Cuba. But it's not that interesting. <laughs> you don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, I could have gone the entire time, but I haven't. You already live in a communist paradise, so you know what it's like already. But when they have Survivor Cuba, that will be the bomb. I'll just swim over there. <laughs> okay, you can spoil the entire season. Yeah. Hey, anything else? No, that's it. Just one more final thanks to everybody, and uh hope you'll have us back next season. Or we'll have you back next season, more importantly. That wasn't worth anything else. Theme music! <laughs> <laughs>